John chapter 10, fourth book in the New Testament. And we continue to gather in this series talking about Jesus' declaration of I am. Some of you are here for the very first time. And uh, it's, it's great to have you here. We welcome you here. I'd love to know you. I'd love to be able to put a name with your face. And there's an easy way for us to do that. When the service is over today, I'll move out into the commons area. And there's a little cove area. And I'll stand right there. I'd love for you to stop and say hello. Let me hear your name. Learn a little bit about you before you go on to your next stop. Maybe the Lord's got something on your heart that you'd like for us uh, to pray about. And I, I'd love, so it's a time there, first time, or you've been coming for a while and we haven't met, or God speaks to your heart this morning about something, just a spot right out there in the cove where you can find me and we could talk for a minute before you get away. In that cove area, you'll see some buckets, some Easter basket buckets. They're invite buckets. They're for you to take to a family, a neighbor, a friend. Uh, somebody that God puts on your heart between now and Easter. Easter's April 17th. It's got an invite card in it. It's got some candy in it. It's got room for you to put some other things in it. Maybe you want to bake something and drop down in that bucket for you to deliver. And uh, you may want to take the candy out and keep it for yourself and put some other candy in that you want to give away. However you want to use that, it's, this invite card's got our Easter service times. They're different. Normally we meet at uh, 9 and 10.30. On Easter Sunday, different day, three services. We meet at 8, 9.30, and 11. We ask you to consider uh, attending one and serving one. We need extra greeters, extra ushers, help in the parking lot. We need uh, additional people to help in children's ministry as we offer programming for children those three hours. And so see the appropriate people in charge of those areas. Uh, they can help connect you at the next steps table if you want to serve and um, invite somebody to be here and be a part of Easter. Take one of those buckets with you and it'll help break the conversation open and inviting people. Some of you have been coming for a while and thinking, uh, what do I do next? I just keep coming, listening to sermons. Where do, I, where do I connect? We have a next step for you. It's called First Step. It meets next Sunday. We do it once a month. It meets at 1030 this hour. So come to worship at 9 next week. Stay for the 1030. One hour class gives you a chance to meet some staff, to do a little walk around to see what's going on in different ministries. Hear some about our mission as a church. Uh, Find a way to connect, just a little bit of a bridge to help you figure out how to get out of this room to the next part of the life of our church. Consider being a part of that next Sunday at 1030. We're going to pray now, and as we pray together, specifically, I want to ask you to pray for the dozens that are scattered right now, sharing the gospel on spring break trips. Several of our teenagers have traveled to Boston. Several have traveled to South Florida. And they're there for this coming week, uh, working with some church plants in those areas to share the gospel. And uh, let's stop for just a moment and pray for the work that they'll be doing. Father, uh, we bow before you, and it's a, it's a privilege, it's a joy to be able to be in this room right now, worshiping you. Uh, 
several of our church family are somewhere else right now. Specifically, Lord, a group of teenagers in South Florida, a group of teenagers in Boston. We pray, Lord, that this day of worship would be an encouragement to them as they see uh, new churches happening and new life happening in a different part of our nation. I pray, Lord, somehow you'd use our teams to bring refreshment and encouragement to those that are on the ground there, just working every day, sharing the gospel. Pray our folks would be a blessing to them. And please use them. I pray by the power of your spirit, you give them courage, boldness. Eyes would be opened, opportunities to talk about Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We pray you'd do eternal work, that um, you'd, you'd go beyond anything we could imagine or think. Just, Lord, would you, uh, as the gospel is faithfully declared, we ask you to save souls. Pray that it would, there would be fruit from the labor that's done this week in those areas. We pray you'd bring them back with a good report. And help us now, Lord, as we open your word. Holy Spirit, work. Do beyond, do beyond our planning. Um, anything that we just almost do by memory or habit. Spirit of God, break through in hearts and lives today and, and encourage and change, save souls. We commit this time to you. In Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. On Monday of this week, I sent a note to Jeff Lightsey. Jeff works here with our church. He takes care of our facilities, keeps things working that are broken and uh, just does a great job of just helping take care of all the facilities here. I sent him a note. I said, hey, Jeff, I need to know how many um, external doors we have on our property. No context, just kind of, just I need a number. And I kind of expected back from Jeff this, uh, I'm guessing about, or my estimation is, or I think it is, what I got back from him was, uh, give me a couple of hours, I'll get back to you on that. Well, time passed, and I realized the note that I got back in a few hours was not just a number, it was a whole chart. And uh, it was a chart of this 1560 house, 1590 house, the worship center, the chapel, the shed, uh, shed number two, it was just a garage door, and I'm just working down the chart, and I'm like, dude, it's detailed, I love it. And, and, and it's just, how many, we got this many single doors, this many double doors, this many uh, uh, garage doors. And finally, I got uh, down to the bottom of that chart. And Jeff has there, it says, we have 79 external doors. 79. So if you uh, imagine tonight, somebody hollers out, hey, lock up when you leave. <laughs> like all 79, you know. Uh, and, and I'll be here another hour and a half. And just uh, somebody says, "Hey, next Sunday, just meet me at the door." Okay, like door thirty-two, door sixty-four. Just meet me at the door. So many doors. Uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about one door. Just one door, and we're talking about this one door because Jesus Christ said, I am 
the door. I'm the door. And so we're going to talk about that one door. What is a door? A door is a passageway that allows us to go in. So it is a, a passageway that gets you in. You have to go through that passage in order to get to the place, the room, the environment that you're trying to get to. A door also, someone points out, is a, is a separation piece. Uh, the door is what stands between you in one spot and getting to another spot. And so it can be kind of an image of separation. It's an image of a passageway. Today we're talking about this one door that leads to one room. A doorway, a single door that leads to one kind of life. One kind of life. And it's the kind of life that you were made for. It's the kind of life that when God designed you, when God created you, when God created the universe, he had in mind a relationship with you that involved a certain kind of life. And God's word calls it eternal life. And he goes beyond and, and he says, not just life, not just life eternal, but abundant life. When we talk about this life that we're built to have, designed to have, what this passage teaches us today is that there's one door that leads to there. Jesus uses in the Gospel of John, I am statements, seven of those. Seven times he, he brings up this identifier of being God. And we know that by him using these words, I am. And in the audience he was speaking to, immediately it resonates with them because their Old Testament history was that God in the Old Testament identified himself as the great I am, the I am. And when Jesus used those words of saying, I am, talking about who he is, immediately their antennas go up and he says, this, this man is identifying himself as deity. This man is saying that he's God and Jesus was doing exactly that. And on the end of that I am statement, he would attach metaphors and they were given to reveal truth about him. And so it's like Jesus is saying, I'm God and this is how I'm God. I'm God and this is how you will know me to be God. This is God and if you believe that I'm God like this, this is how I work. This is who I am. This is what I do. And each of these I am statements were a piece of revelation. It was, it was Jesus revealing truth about who he is. So when he said, I am the bread of life. He's saying, I'm the kind of God that you get your nourishment from. That I'm the one that you feed on. This is where life comes from. I'm bread for you. And he said, I am the light of the world. And in a world of darkness, I'm light. I expose sin. I expel sin. I deal with sin. I let you see into a world that you would not see before. I am the light. Today, he says, I'm the door. I'm the door of the sheep. 
Each one of these I am statements reveal who he is. It's a revelation of truth about who Jesus is. And so if you're wondering today, who's Jesus? Is he a prophet? Was he a good man? Was he just a, a good model? He set a really nice example of how to live. He's a good leader. He's a good servant. What we're doing is let, we're letting Jesus tell us who he is instead of us telling him who he is. And we're seeing Jesus for how he saw himself. And when we hear Jesus speak, this revelation always comes with something additional. It comes with an invitation. And when he reveals who he is, it's an invitation for you to believe who he is. Not just file it away as another piece of knowledge in your brain, but for you to receive that truth and believe him for who he is. And if you believe who he is, he gives you a promise. You will receive eternal life. You want abundant life? You want eternal life? You want a hope for heaven? You want your sins forgiven? You're looking for some kind of purpose where you're looking around and you're thinking something's not adding up in the way I'm doing life. Jesus said, I want you to know I'm bread. I'm light. I'm the door. And I'm inviting you to believe in me. And if you'll believe in me for who I am, life will be yours. John chapter 10, look at verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Everything I've just said right here. Jesus says, I'm repeating what's in the word. Jesus said, I'm the door, and if you enter through me, you pass through me, you believe in me for who I am, here's the promise, you will have life, you will have it more abundantly. Let's talk about the metaphor here. Let's talk about the imagery. He's, he's using in chapter 10 this picture of sheep and the sheepfold and the shepherd. He's talking about thieves and robbers who might... Uh, enter into uh, the, the, the pen, the sheep pen in a wrong way. Uh, who, who are the sheep? Well, you think about their culture, what Jesus was doing, really just looking around him and knowing what people could relate to in everyday life. And for the crowd watching there, the uh, agrarian culture was something they were used to. You, if you're, you're a teenager in the room, you think back to your first job. We Probably we live in a culture today where many of you, your very first job was a restaurant. Or your very first job was doing yard maintenance. 
just there's just some places you kind of enter in to in in their world very common for their very first job to be either working with the fish markets or to be working as a shepherd working with sheep working with livestock in the old testament new testament this picture of sheep and shepherds it travels throughout both uh, covenants new and old and and you see uh, Moses was a shepherd, David was a shepherd, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You come to the New Testament, uh, sheep are a part of the scene and picture of communicating. And here's what he, in the New Testament, followers of Jesus Christ, members of the faith family, people who are in Christ, we're identified as sheep. Now, if you're prideful, that's difficult, all right? Just you study sheep, you're thinking, come on. I mean, like, this could we be like tigers or uh, something? We're, we're bears. You know, I don't, he says, you're sheep. Sheep need help. Sheep need feeding. Sheep need protecting. Sheep need leading. And, and, it's believers, followers of Christ, you're sheep, and pastors are called shepherds in First Peter. We're to tend the flock, and that's the imagery that Jesus is using here. So when we're talking about sheep, we're talking about believers. He also uses in chapter 10, verse 1, the word sheepfold. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 1, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. What was that? That was an intentional structure built for sheep to be housed in. Now there were some circumstances where you had kind of home on the range, you're out on the fields, the shepherds are there and you've got a, a, a group of sheep, a flock there and they're kind of standing off to the edge as they're just feeding at night, they lay down together like the scene of Jesus' birth announced to the shepherds in the fields at night. But on many occasions, also, the sheep had structures that were built. And during the daytime, they would roam freely where there was no danger. At night, they would bring those sheep into this structure that was built, sometimes a natural outcropping of rocks where the sheep could be guided in there and one little opening uh, where they could go in and out. Or they would actually build stone or rock structures with this one narrow open passageway. And that was the sheepfold. And the story of the shepherds were when they had that, those stone structures where the sheep would go in and they were there at night for safety, this narrow opening would be left there where the sheep could go in or come out. And here's what the shepherd would do. The shepherd would lay down for the night across that opening. So that if anything tried to go in, they'd have to go through the shepherd. If anything tried to come out, they would go through the shepherd. And what happens is the shepherd becomes the door. The shepherd becomes the door. And Jesus is teaching to the crowd, I'm For you to get in, you got to go through me. I'm the door. 
to tell you three facts about this door. Number one, the entrance, the entrance is exclusive. When you think about the sheepfold, you think about that place where the sheep go in, where they are, that, that entrance to that sheepfold, it's exclusive. Now remember, when we're talking about sheep, we're talking about it's th- that sheepfold's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's a picture of being in the faith. It's a picture of, of um, somebody might say, hey, I'm in, talking about their faith. I'm a part of the family. I've believed. Count me in. We're in Christ, as Ephesians speaks of. Well, the entrance to being in Christ, the entrance of being in that gathering, the the entrance to being in the faith is exclusive. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And then verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. What Jesus is saying, listen, it's so specific. He doesn't say, I am a door. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to have life, if you want to live eternally, if you want your sins to be forgiven, he doesn't say, I'm a way. Try me. He says, I am the door. What I'm saying to you today when I say that this entrance is exclusive I'm saying what Matthew 7, 13, and 14 says, that broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And you can say, Pastor, that sounds so narrow to say that Jesus is the only way someone can be right with God. Jesus is the only way their sins can be forgiven. Jesus is the only way that you can go to heaven. And I, and I want you to say that it's, it's what I'm doing is declaring to you the very truth that's taught in God's word, the truth that Jesus declared about himself. John 14, Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, and no man comes to the Father except what? Through me. Now, this is a safe room. This is, this is amen territory right here, all right? And I stand in front of you and I can get all lathered up and shout and holler. And Jesus is the only way. Hey, man, you preach it, brother. It's it's, it's safe in here. But tomorrow you're going to walk into school. You're going to walk into your class. You're going to walk into your fraternity. You're going to walk into your classroom. You're going to be at your work. And you say, hey, yesterday our pastor taught us about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. And it's going to not feel safe. Because we live in a world that has 79 doors. A whole lot of doors. And we're saying to the world, there's only one door. Many people believe in different doors. Some of your family members believe in different doors. Some of your friends believe in multiple doors. Some people that you think are really kind believe in different doors. Can I ask you one question? If there were multiple doors, why would God allow his son to suffer 
death on a cross like he did. Because he was the only sinless one that could bear the sins of the world. And he went there as a holy and sinless son of God to bear the iniquity of us all. Pastor, yeah, I know, listen, we, I read the books, I hear the teachers, we see the commentators, we watch the movies, and a lot of things, man, that's really, that's a neat approach to things. They're so sincere. That, have you read that? I mean, those, that list of five things, I just feel like there's so much peace if I just follow those five things. What, what makes Jesus Christ the exclusive door to salvation, to life eternal. One word. One word. You're going to need this tomorrow, okay? Here's the one word. Resurrection. Resurrection. This is the only door This is the only Savior. This is the only God. This is the only faith where a person died bearing sin, was buried, and rose back to life, never to die again. There is no other door like that. And what gives the weight to this door The hinge that this door swings on is that this door defeated sin and death and lived to tell about it. And so today when we proclaim that Jesus is the door, the reason we say that is not because we're so smart. The reason we say that is because it's so true. And Jesus, this entrance into being right with God, this entrance into The hope of heaven, this entrance into the family of God, it passes through Jesus. And secondly, the entrance, let me spell it, E-N-T-R-A-N-T-S. I can't get my tongue to distinguish between the two words, so spell it. The entrance, E-N-T-R-A-N-C-E, is exclusive. Number two, the entrance, E-N-T-R-A-N-T-S, are exclusive inclusive. Here's what I mean. There's only one way in, but anybody can go in if you believe in the one way of getting in. Anyone. It doesn't matter what you made on your ACT test. It doesn't matter if you got a perfect score on the SAT test. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. All right. For heaven. It doesn't matter if you're the foreman or if, if you are the owner. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're American or if you're Egyptian. It doesn't matter if you're Queen Elizabeth or Queen Latifah. Listen, <laughs> wake up back there on the back row, all right? Wake up. So I think my pastor just referred to Queen Latifah. I did. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're her or if you're Queen Elizabeth. 
If you believe in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you're in. There's one door. And that's why we got people in Florida. That's why we have people in Boston. That's why we have people in Watkinsville. That's why we have people in Central Asia and East Asia and South Asia and South America. It's why we have... Just pick a spot. Because God said... He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's a third thing, and that's this. The enemy is intrusive. Entrance through Jesus alone. The entrance anyone that will believe. The enemy tries to do all he can to kill, steal, and destroy, to create opposition, to create a hindrance, to create resistance, to believe in the truth. And be alert to that. Be aware of that. That's why we need the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that gives us boldness to speak the truth in love. And the invitation today is the invitation that Jesus gave on that day, that as the door, would you believe in him? Would you trust him? What, what doors are you trying to kick open? What doors are you looking behind today? What, what doors have you allowed yourself to walk through? And Jesus said, come to me alone. I'm the door. And if you will, here's the three gifts you receive. Number one, you receive salvation. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. It's this picture, it's this word that's used to describe rescue. You'll be rescued from your sin. You'll be delivered from the penalty of sin. You'll be rescued from the power of sin. Eternally, you'll be rescued from the presence of sin. You'll be saved. It's salvation. And we go back a few weeks ago to that helmet of salvation that we're to put on every day that teaches us that through Jesus Christ, we, when we believe... There's a point in the past where we have been saved. The penalty of sin is paid for. Nothing else you need to do to pay for your sin. The penalty of sin is settled. It's justification. It's that court declaration that God looks at us where he says, your sins are paid for. You're no longer bearing the guilt. Jesus Christ paid for it. His righteousness has been credited to your account just by believing and trusting in him. Not only have you been saved, salvation is us being saved right now. It's sanctification. It's that day-to-day growth of becoming transformed to be more and more like Christ. And the picture that Scripture gives us that if you're saved at 20, when you're 40 and saved, that there's going to be a big difference in your life because you've become more and more like Christ over the years as you've resisted sin and resisted temptation and had the Spirit of God break strongholds in your life and you're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. It's called spiritual growth. It's sanctification. And the power of sin has less and less hold on you. And then there's that picture of salvation is that you will be saved. And that is that ultimately you'll be delivered from the presence of sin. And we're surrounded every day by the presence of sin, the pain of sin, the ugliness of sin, 
the impact of sin. But there's coming a day where we'll see Jesus face to face. We'll either go to him or he'll come to us. But eternally we'll be with him. And there will be, as Vance Havner said, a land of no more. No more dying. No more death. No more sin. No more tears. No more sickness. It's glorification. We shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. That's salvation. That's what I'm offering to you behind this door of Jesus Christ. It's the life that you were made to have. Me. Secondly, not only this salvation, but if you go through that door, there's safety. He says here that if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. Let me just stop right there. You will go in and out. Specific words used there in the Greek to describe this passing back and forth. And by safety, I don't mean like safe from bloodshed because you know Jesus. People die because of Jesus. I, I don't mean the absence of, of ridicule or persecution. Jesus said we would be persecuted by safety. It's this picture of going in and out. It's a picture of freedom and acceptance. It's a relationship of trust to where you relate to the Father without a sense of guilt or shame. It's a way of relating to this life without a sense of guilt or shame. There's freedom. There's acceptance. Why? Because it's not on me to be right. I'm only right because of Jesus Christ in me. That's a safe place. It's this picture of going in and out. Is this, this idea of freedom and acceptance and trust and all week, I just keep thinking about our cul-de-sac where we live. For 20-plus years, living in the same house, the same cul-de-sac, and the two of the neighbors groups, are, they've been there. They were there when we got there. Uh, one set of neighbors lost their way and moved away. Noah and Brian, they're here this morning. And, and, and uh, they, they, th- th- those are all of us neighbors there in that cul-de-sac, and and I was th- this week, I reached around the corner on the nail and hanging there's the key to my neighbor's house. And they know where our key is and, and, and we know where their key is. And, and we just kind of come and go with a whole lot of trust. And I'll never forget the day I'm walking down the driveway to the Tomlins and I see a man coming out the door and realize it's not Scott, it's Brian, the other neighbor. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I'm getting sugar. Well, I'm getting chocolate chips. I mean, we're just, you're just, back, you know, it's just this, what we do, we're just going in and out. And that's a picture. Jesus is saying, you come through me. There's this kind of relationship of a life of freedom, of acceptance before God. It's salvation. Here's a third thing, satisfaction. And, and I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm lifting this right out of the word. He says he will be he will be saved and will go in and out and what? Find pasture. And it was this picture that Jesus used that in a relationship with God, when you come through Jesus the door, you know what you're going to find? Contentment. It's a picture of contentment. It's a picture of God taking care. I can rest in him. It's Psalm 23. The Lord is my Shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green 
pastures. And that's the, Jesus is pulling right from the Old Testament in this picture. And he says, here's a gift. You walk through this door of Jesus, you'll have salvation. You'll have safety. There will be satisfaction, contentment in your life. Listen, some of you right now, the indicator in your life that you've never passed through the door of Jesus is that you keep day after day after day kicking open doors, kicking open doors, looking for something to satisfy you other than Jesus Christ. And I'm standing before you today to tell you that you won't find it in any other room. You won't find it in, behind any other door. You will only find it in Jesus Christ. He wants to save you today. Don't go through that door. Jesus said, I'm the door. Right now. Right now. It's not magic. It's the Spirit of God pulling on your heart. And he wants you to come through him. Would you call out to Jesus? In words of surrender, say to him, through you, Jesus. I want you to save me. I want to find my contentment in you. I want to stop trusting in everything I've trusted in the past and stop looking for something else that's not real. Jesus, I'm coming to you. You put it in your words. You put it in that prayer of surrender. And here's the promise. Whoever comes through him will have life. Abundant life starts today would you be saved today a lot of you have been so what I do with this message I want to ask you to I want to ask you to do this I want you to make a commitment today that you will help people find door. Sitting this morning on the second row at the nine o'clock service was a man that's been here the last three weeks. He drove on the property three weeks ago, had never been here before, and, and he was coming out of the car and I'd, I was away that Sunday, was off that Sunday, went to Calvary, worshiped there with Thomas Settles and, and I asked Chaney when I, she guys tell me about the day and we talked about Sunday and I said, just meet anybody. Yeah, I, I met this man. He was out in the parking lot trying to figure out how to get, I'm thinking one of the 79 doors. He was trying to find his way in and, and I met him and, and I, I said, you need some help and he said, yeah, I'm trying to find how to get in and she said she started to point and show him what door and, and she said I just I said come on I'll show you and she walked into the door into this room um, this is very just an illustration but that man heard me tell the story this morning on the way out he spoke to me in the cove and he said hey I just want to stop and tell you that I would have turned around and left if she hadn't come along to show me where the door was Listen, I'm, not, I'm, I'm moving into the picture of that out there in the world. Would you, who've already come through the door, 
Ask the Spirit of God to show you how to help people any way you can. And I'm going to just leave it with the Spirit telling you how. How to help people get to the door. Just do it. Ask Jason to come. and We're going to close this morning with this song that declares who Jesus is. Reminding us of the door that we're helping people get to. Lord, today would you just seal it in our heart. You're the door, the one door. And with love and boldness, help us to help others get to the door. And Lord, if there's somebody in this room today that's called out to you to save them, I pray, Lord, they'd tell somebody about it today. I pray they'd find me. Tell me about it. Lord, do your work right now. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the door of life.